He is going to go through Pearson. He got it. Touchdown. what's up what's happening welcome in happy sunday night happy fourth of july weekend i hope you're all staying safe making good decisions and being healthy this evening i am joined once again by my guy down in australia where it's not hot it's not the fourth of july well it's gonna be the fourth of july but it means a whole different amount of things to uh the australians but camp how we doing this evening my guy yeah not too bad so uh yeah it's a bit it's a bit interesting because, yeah, obviously I'm the one that's, you know, in the daytime down here. It's still a bit overcast and a bit horrible down here. But, uh, yeah, look, just trying to get through the days at the moment, hoping that uh, our, our warmer weather's coming up soon, hopefully. Yeah. And it is funny how that goes. Like when the summer's ending and then I see you guys starting to go into the spring and, start, you know, we're starting to go into the fall. It's like opposites, man. But it's been very cool interacting with you over the last few years and, Kind of getting some inside scoop on the ways of Australia. But this evening, we're not going to be talking about Australia. We're going to be talking about our Dallas Cowboys. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the top five Dallas Cowboys of our time. When we were kind of talking, me and Camp, we're like, hey, let's do all time. And I was like, you know, I have a better grip on the Dallas Cowboys of my time. And we decided, let's do a top five Dallas Cowboys of our, of our time. But before we do that, Again, this is episode number 14. We are on the Toilets of Titles podcast network. If you're watching on YouTube, be greatly appreciated. Comment, like, subscribe. During the show, if you're watching live, let us know if you agree or disagree with our rankings. If you are not watching live, still comment. Let me know somebody you like that we might not have mentioned, and I'll reply to you. Um, if you want to get into our Gilded Chat and talk to us about fantasy, all of the good stuff, reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Sheps. Reach out to the show at Toilets of Titles. If you're into college football, if you're into the Longhorns or anything else, check out the CFB Nation. That's our sister network. We have tons of good content happening over there. If you want to support the show, patreon.com backslash toilets titles. We have multiple tiers. And we're also, we got our Frankenstein Listener League, which if you play fantasy football, if you're on the YouTube right now or if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, episode number 180 of the Toilets Titles uh, podcast, the flagship show, we talk about the Frankenstein Listener League, and it is absolutely bananas. You need to listen to the episode. You need to see if it's something you're into. We got playable cards, all sorts of stuff. Again, 11 spots available. Love to get you in there. It's $25. A portion of the pay goes to charity. And, uh, man, it's it's a lot of fun. So come 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 play with us. Come get into the Frankenstein Listener League. So, all right, Camp, I think we're ready to rock and roll. We're going to dive right into this thing. I do want to let you know, you came here this evening expecting Kyle Yeomans. We apologize. All right, we're going to talk to Kyle. He had some stuff come up, and I'm sure – over the next few weeks, we'll get them on. And the good thing is Cowboys football doesn't start till July 26th. So they came out with some training camp dates. So that's the first day of training camp. So we're going to get them on either before or maybe we'll even get them on during training camp like we did last year. We had them live in Oxnard, like on the field. He was pointing to Jerry's Tower. He was on the grass field. So 
All right, Cam. So this is this is gonna be a fun episode, kind of loose. Like we're kind of just gonna be shooting the, the the garbage about some guys we liked, and you know maybe we have them top five. We liked them, but they, we don't have them top five. So so let's start it off, man. However you want, either offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, skill position, offensive line, defensive line, whatever. But but go ahead. Uh, look, uh, yeah, it's a it's a really kind of interesting thing because, like, as we sort of said, like when we started talking about this, we thought, well, we we can do all time, but it's you know, especially from my point of view. So, like, I think I mentioned on the show before, but I really started sort of following the Cowboys because back in the day, the only things we ever got on TV was the Super Bowls. And so, obviously, growing up with the triplets is when sort of I first started getting involved with sort of the Cowboys. So, when we we're talking about all time, I sort of said, well, that's sort of as far back as my kind of uh, knowledge goes. So, trying to say people before that was sort of like a tricky thing. And you kind of came up with, you know, our time. Like, this is this is the guys that we've seen and we really sort of like, like, so it's, it's kind of interesting because yeah, I've tried to as much as I can kind of focus more even on the, the, the post kind of triplet era. Um, I've still sort of like, you know, kept some of those guys in mind, but um, yeah, it's more sort of like going on and it's like, it's really quite interesting, isn't it? Cause you start looking at the, the different positions that the Cowboys have had and, you know, some of the offensive linemen they've had over the time have been pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, there's a few names that we were sort of like talking about before we came live that, you know, are guys that have made an impact for, you know, six, eight years for the Cowboys. That you kind of, it's, it's quite sad how quickly we forget them when they're not playing at the moment. So, well, if you, so I'm going to, I do remember, I grew up in the 90s, you know, so there are a few members of those teams that have a big place in my heart. So I'll mention a few of those since we're probably going to drift off. And I know you said you have a few too, so you can go ahead and mention it. And we are talking top five, but I'm kind of just talking about, you know, my favorite players. And maybe at the end, I'll wrap it all together with a bow. Who knows? All right. But we're going to drop some names. My son's name is Emmett. Emmett Smith was my favorite football player of all time. Favorite Dallas Cowboy of all time until like the past 15 years. You know, Des Bryant. I love Emmett Smith. But, you know, my most recent memory, it's Des Bryant. Des Bryant's my, my favorite Dallas Cowboys recent memory. I love the way he plays his game, the game. I love his story. You know, I love the rocky road he had to take to get to the NFL. Like, some things in life, like you're given – you got to play the cards you're dealt. Some of you may know Des Bryant's story, and, and he was dealt a difficult hand, and that makes me like him even more. And his passion for the game, you know, he played the game like you were playing in the backyard. But – up until Des Bryant, it was Emmett Smith. I named my son Emmett. I remember, you know, growing up, Emmett versus Barry. Emmett versus Barry. One of my buddies was a Lions fan. And I grew up in New York. One of my buddies was a Lions fan, and he's Barry this, Barry that. I'm Emmett this, Emmett that. Emmett got the rings. You know, Emmett got the stats. You know, Emmett went, <laughs> Emmett won the awards. But you know, I get it. Barry was a stud, but Emmett, ultimate team player. I thought he was ultimate team player. I loved how when he scored a touchdown. Took the football, acted like he'd been there before. And Barry did the same thing. Acted like he'd been there before. Gave the ball right to the ref. But I remember when he broke his collarbone against the New York Giants. And a game they needed to win in order to go to the playoff, in order to win a Super Bowl. And back then, AstroTurf was rock solid. The most gutsy performance I've ever seen in my life. Breaks his collarbone, comes back, and the New York Giants are targeting him. Like, they are targeting him throwing him on the ground, rubbing his shoulder. And I think he ran for like over 100 yards in the second half, catching the football, carry the team, absolutely, or maybe dislocated his shoulder. Like something going on with his collarbone or his shoulder 
It's devastating. And uh, that was one of the most gutsy performance. So if we're talking 90s, Emmett Smith, I remember, you know, back then, you know, I didn't have a TV in my room. Like we didn't have, you know, like TVs everywhere in the house. I had a TV downstairs. I had a TV up in my parents' room. And I remember Sunday Night Football, like everyone in the house watching a movie and me going upstairs and watching TV up in my parents' room. And I remember Deion Sanders, every single punt, it was like I held my breath when this guy was returning a punt. So electrifying. So electrifying. I had his jersey. I had the Dallas Cowboys. Like he he made the turtleneck cool, right? I had the turtleneck with the star on it that I wore under my Dallas Cowboys jersey because I wanted to look like Deion Sanders, right? And I wore it to picture day. Like I have a picture from elementary school, Dallas Cowboys, Deion Sanders jersey, turtleneck, and dude, one of the most electrifying players in the field. I loved the swag, the confidence that he brought to the team. So if, if we're talking 90s, yeah, Darren Woodson was great. Troy Aikman was great. Michael Irvin was great. Larry Allen was great. But my favorites in the 90s, Deion Sanders and Emmett Smith. Yeah, well, firstly, we're going to have to find that photo of you, and I think we're going to have to tweet that out when we find it. And I think I think the people need to see that. But, like, the, the big argument I always hear with Emmett was, like, he put up stats due to his longevity rather than, you know, having it in sort of like a, a shorter kind of time frame. But my argument to that is it's so funny because it's like, well, then why doesn't everyone play for as long as Emmett did? Why, did, why didn't everyone put up a thousand yards for as many times as Emmett did? Like if it was so easy to do that, then why didn't others do it? And so it's that weird thing where people use that against him. And the, the other, the other thing that people sort of all say, people say like, Oh, that, you know, this, this guy had a great offensive line or, you know, this or that. And it's like, when did having other players on a football team all of a sudden become, become a negative? Like, don't all, like, last time I checked, every team in the NFL has the same amount of players on the field at any time. Why all of a sudden do we go, oh, well, hang on, he played with a good player, so all of a sudden this guy's trash. Like, it's such a weird argument to me. I know that when Troy Hambrick came in, the Cowboys weren't the Cowboys of the early 90s. The line wasn't the same, but they still had a good offensive line. Still had Flozell Adams. I believe they still had Larry Allen. Like They were a solid offensive line. And Troy Hambrick came in, and everybody thought, like, Emmett moved on. He was the next man up. Terrible. In the years after that, Quincy Carter, you know, Chad Hutchinson, you know, the, the, the quarterbacks we went through, the running backs we ran through, even the defensive players, like, we went through some rough years after Emmett, Aikman, Irvin, Sanders, Woodson. You know, Woodson kind of lasted longer than most of those guys did, but I agree with you, man. Like, it's not his fault. And then, you know, he got so many carries, like so many carries, and he didn't crumble. Like, I think he I think he ran for 1,000 yards with the Cardinals at the end of his career. He was in his 30s. Like, come on, that's bananas. Yeah, and then the other name that you've mentioned a couple of times, it was one of the guys that I've I've got very highly is uh, Darren Woodson. Like, you know, the old argument that the the guys at DallasCowboys.com used to say is like the Cowboys have been chasing him for 20 years now, just trying to find the next Darren Woodson, and it's just it just hasn't really happened. And, I mean, it is quite funny that, you know, teams now are looking for those kind of hybrid guys who are essentially, you know, a linebacker that does a bit of coverage and, like, he could basically do everything and, it's, you know, the amount of tackles he racked up and the amount of different, like, ways that he could affect a football game, there's 
you know, there's very few guys who can do what he does. So, yeah, like he's he was, he was massive for the team. And like, yeah, as you said, it kind of felt like at the end of his career, it was kind of a bit disappointing from his point of view because it felt like the Cowboys were really on that downward mm. sort of slide and he didn't really get to walk off into the sunset in a really good team. But, you know, I guess that's life for a lot of football players these days. Did he, did he play with Roy Williams? Did we have any years with with Darren and Roy? Man, I'm not sure. Because I know they, dra- they drafted Roy in the first round. I wonder if Darren was still around. Do you remember when Leroy Glover was on the Cowboys? Leroy yes. Glover was an unsung hero. Like when he, you know, we weren't that good when we had him. And maybe I'm kind of bouncing around. But he had, he had a few very good years in the interior defensive line for the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that might have been pre-Parcells. Man, I'm not sure. Uh, yo, guys, Cowboys fans are what? Gravedigger says we're big-time Cowboys fans, man. We're talking them up. All right, so so Camp, take us through if you have any guys for the 90s Cowboys, and then let's go into the early 2000s. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, so f- from my point of view, definitely uh, Darren Woodson. Like, you know, I've sort of given my arguments there, and then um, and then sort of obviously you mentioned, um, you know, Emmett Smith as well. So, um like they were, they were the big guys for me through the through the nineties, and then yeah, stepping into sort of like you know when Des came along, and definitely like it felt like Des is a kind of guy who gives the team a bit of a different persona, and uh, he was just such a um, difference maker in so many different ways. So like. Yeah, he's just he's just one of those guys that you love watching play. And it was kind of disappointing in the end how it sort of ended up, you know, finishing with Des. Like, you would have liked, a, you know, a few more years of him sort of like floating around. But, uh, you know, once again, it's sort of what I've mentioned with, you know, Woodson. It's like they don't, um, they don't tend to sort of like be able to, you know, walk it. You know, how many players actually get to, you know, walk walk away with a Super Bowl ring or walk away with a, a fantastic season. And then, like, as you sort of mentioned too, that the offensive line, like, a guy like Flozell Adams was – he was on his way out, out the door basically. And then all of a sudden sort of, you know, the new coaching staff comes in and gives a bit of confidence and says, no, look, we think he can be – he can do great things. And, you know, then all of a sudden he was, you know, multiple pro bowler after that. And people used to complain about his false starts, but just an amazing player still nonetheless. And – Andre Girard was another guy who oh, sort of came in and he, he sort of struggled for a bit his first couple of years. And then after that became a real, real rock for the offensive line. So, yeah. you know, I think people like to think about the Cowboys now and how they've got all those first round picks on the line. But remember Ron Leary? Yeah. Ron and, Leary, like came, you know, out of nowhere. I think he had like a degenerative knee issue and everyone kind of counted him off. He gave us like four very strong years before moving off to Denver because we wouldn't pay him. And he, he was, he felt kind of slighted about that. Hmm. So yeah, like they're the guys that when I was sort of thinking about it and then like even guys uh, and sort of it's moving probably more into the 2000s, but you know, like we'll start talking about guys like, you know, Jay Ratliff, you know, an amazing defensive tackle who gave the Cowboys a lot of years. And then, you know, Roy Williams, once again, we're going to talk about him probably in, in a bit. So uh Yeah. It's, it's really funny when you start talking about this. As I said, you, you sort of start remembering guys who you think like, oh, you know, they were so they were so much of a part of the team. And as you also mentioned too, it was kind of, I think to a certain extent, those those years in between weren't the greatest years. So you have a tendency to sort of like, like miss, forget those guys. So Man, Yeah, like Julius Jones, uh, Terry Glenn, 
Joey Galloway, you know, I think, I think at, at some point we, we were lucky enough to bring in Jason Witten, you know, Terrell Owens, Roy Williams on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned, I, I loved Dexter Coakley and I loved Dat Win, two undersized linebackers who played outside of their minds. Like Dat Win. He was he was like Sean Lee before Sean Lee. I don't think he was as talented as Sean Lee, but he was very good in coverage. He was good at reading the quarterback. He was the quarterback of the defense. And Dexter Coakley, another undersized guy. I love that we had that that neck roll. He brought the hammer. You know, those years were kind of tough to watch, but those are two guys I really like. Terrence Newman had a few good years. Uh, Mike Jenkins, um, Ken Hamlin, you know, at safety. So these were all, you know, these weren't the greats. But these were now we're moving on to the early 2000s, right? So these were the guys we were cheering for during the early 2000s when it was kind of tough because at quarterback, we couldn't get it right. You know, I remember we had Testa Verde at one point. You know, I mentioned Quincy Williams, Chad Hudsonson, uh, you know, the, the, the guy who was playing for the, the Wolverines and he was playing for the Yankees. Good old and, Drew. Yeah, Drew Henson. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned, you know, Julius Jones, we brought him in and – you know, we had a bunch of guys, but we, we didn't have the quarterback. We didn't have the coach. Do you have anybody from that kind of era before the Romo years that you'd put in your top five Cowboys of your time? Uh, no, I don't, but it looks things. So, like, as you said, like, it's – it was, yeah, back in the day. So, like, between Dexter Coakley and uh, Dat Nguyen, like, the Cowboys always used to sort of have – a really good linebacking core. Like it was kind of like the staple through those kind of years. And it's like, as you said, having the the quarterbacks that they did. And it's like, it's always that funny story that we, we like to think that NFL teams are really good at scouting players, but you know, the old story that basically Romo was on his way out the door, but then Quincy Carter got knocked out of the, uh, the team for, uh, I think it might've been drug violations. I can't remember what it was, but, he was doing, basically doing something wrong. He was basically, yeah, lined up to be the starting quarterback, and then he was shown the door, and then all of a sudden, this you know this undrafted free agent stays on the team as the third quarterback, and all of a sudden, a few years later, he's he's starting. So it's yeah, like it's um, it was a, it was a weird time for the Cowboys, wasn't it? Because we did have guys like, and, and you mentioned Leroy Glover, and it's like that. I mean. A lot of Cowboys fans look back at him as like one of the best free agent pickups the Cowboys have had because they they did manage to pick him up and then I think it, it was he was a three or four time Pro Bowler pretty much smack bang straight out of the gate for the Cowboys so like he was huge and, and it was at the end big, of his career yeah he like was he kind was of in, like his good years were in New Orleans like well his great years were in New Orleans yeah and he was kind of looked at, at like as an undersized kind of player but he just sort of seemed to really be a difference maker as a player like I think he was he's one of those guys who was just a good football player so. Yeah, look, it's it's hard to find. I think, yeah, and once again, we probably as fans, we we have this tendency to look at guys that we have highlights of. So we have, you know, a guy like as you mentioned, Dion. We have, you know, highlights of Dion, and you know, Emmett. We have highlights of Emmett, and so they're the guys that come to the, the top of your mind. You know, you don't really think of like you know a Patrick Creighton who was a great kind of like yeah. kicking punt returner for us for a bit. It's like I'll, yeah, I'll we'll, always we'll, forget though Patrick Creighton missing that ball against the Giants in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, like, because well, he, he lost it in the lights wide open, like, it's devastating, devastating. But, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, like, from my point of view, it's, like, definitely if I'm looking at the guys that are the, 
to me are the guys that stick in my memory. It's obviously, you know, Emmett, uh, Darren Woodson, as I, as I mentioned, Dez, Dion, and then obviously the, the guys, sort of the newer era, source now past era, but newer era of, you know, your Tony Romos and your DeMarcus Wears. Well, that's, so then, you know, now we got to usher in kind of, you know, so Roy Williams was early 2000s. I wouldn't have him in my top five of all time, but his first two or three years in the league were absolutely phenomenal. Then we saw DeMarcus Ware come in, and we saw Sean Lee come in, Tony Romo. Uh, you, you got, got you know, Jason Witten. You know, Jason Witten, he has to be at the top. Then, you know, Tyron Smith early in his career, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin. So now we're starting to get a little, you know, past the 2010s. But these were all very good players of the not-so-recent, two recent years. You know, Cole Beasley. You know, Cole Beasley is another guy. I'm not going to put him in my top five. But Cole Beasley, you talk about Tony Romo almost being shown the door. Cole Beasley quit during training camp. Jason yeah. Garrett called him up on the phone and said, come on back, right? And the dude, you know, he did his job. You know, and Nino saying Novacek over Witten. Novacek was very good, but, you know, there's not many tight ends I'd, I'd put over Jason Witten in general. Like Jason Witten is the blocking, the receiving, and also all the time, you know, he didn't have the offense around him and Jay Novacek did, you know, he didn't have the weapons around him to kind of garnish the attention from the defense that Jason, I'm sorry, that, that Jay Novacek did. So um, I think, you know, Jason Witten, I'd probably put him up there with, you know, who, who would you have higher Zach Martin or Jason Witten? Zach Martin's good. Zach Martin's been, I don't want to jinx it. All pro, all pro, all pro. Just he has been a rock in the middle of the offensive line. That's a fantastic question, actually. And it's like, yeah, I, um, yeah, look, I don't know, to be honest. I think, um, yeah, look, it's a hard kind of, because of the different positions they play, it's kind of hard to sort of put one up against another. It's, I, DeMarcus Ware has got to be up there too with those, with yeah. those two. You what know, I, like, what, what I really appreciate about Witten was that, like, yeah, you can sort of, um, you can sort of, as a as a sort of sports player, you can sort of go one of two ways. You can sort of fade away because your physical skills go and you don't compensate, or the flip side is you can actually just make sure that you you know work on your your skills to a point that your skills can kind of you know overcome some physical limitations, and I think. To a certain extent, like Jason Witten was never the most amazing physical athlete, but he did all of the the little things well. And I think that's kind of what he focused on all through his career so that when he was sort of getting older, he still could kind of do those basic things. Like he, he was making sure that his routes were crisp and he always was in the right spot. So he I was think a better he was a better athlete, I think, than we gave him credit for. Because I looked at his relative athletic score because I was looking at tight ends coming out and I was kind of comparing them to Jason Witten because I want the Cowboys to draft the tight end this year. And he, his 40 time, like he, he was a little more athletic than, than uh, you know, early. But then later in, the, later in his career, he adapted. Now, early in the show, you know, I talked about Emmett Smith and one of the most gutsy performances I've ever seen. You know, there are a few other very gutsy, like gutsy plays, right? Like Tony Romo against the Rams. When that ball went over his head, bounced like, 30 yards back and he manages a first down. Um, I remember Marion Barber 
getting tackled like in the end zone. It would have been a safety breaks, like four or five tackles just to get two yards. How about Jason Witten when we're playing against the Raiders in preseason and Rolando McLean like punctures his spleen, right? Like it was a spleen injury. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't know if I have it exact, but I know the dude hurt his spleen and like it was life threatening. His wife was like, "Get you're not playing next week. And the dude suited up next week. How about, you know, Tony Romo? I'm not putting him in the same conversation with Witten, with Ware, with Zach Martin. Tony Romo punctures his lung, goes to San Francisco, like plays, wins a ball game. So, you know, some of these players, you know, we haven't won the Super Bowl. We haven't been to an NFC championship, but we've had like some fighters. And I respect that. And Sean Lee, if Sean Lee didn't have, you know, and obviously like there's a lot of players, I'm sure, for every organization in the NFL, if they didn't get injured, story would be different. But Sean Lee, he had such a nose for the football. I don't think I've ever seen a Dallas Cowboys defender in my lifetime as fluid at his anticipation. Like Sean Lee was hand, I think one of the best defenders we've ever had, but it was at least linebacker. He's the best linebacker we've had. I mean, Michael Parsons to me is an edge defender and Michael Parsons is all guts, guts, speed, drive, physicality, like tenacity. And it's huge. But Lee, he knew what you were doing the second you decided what you were doing. Like the, the way he would intercept the football, the way he would flow downhill and fill the hole. Like I remember games where he'd have like 18 tackles. And, and these weren't like 18 tackles where he's padding the stat sheet. These guys are five or six yards upfield and he's cleaning up like we would see Jalen Smith do. It's like 18 tackles, like 10 of them in the backfield. You know, six of them at the line of scrimmage. Two of them chasing you down and running you to the sideline. So, are there are there any defenders who who stood out to you besides uh, the guys I mentioned? Oh well, I'm actually so it's funny because I'm just sort of as as you were talking, I'm sort of going back and looking at the, you know, the early 2000s again. And it's like it's some of the guys that, yeah, are not, are not guys that are going to be in your top, but you know, like Terry Glenn gave the Cowboys some good years in the middle yes. there, and then. You know, a guy that we haven't talked about here, but we, you and I have sort of chatted about previously, you know, Greg Ellis. Like, Greg Ellis will always be known for the fact that there was a certain wide receiver. I can't remember the wide receiver's name. I, I, it's never come up in conversation, but the Cowboys were going to draft a wide receiver and they didn't. Couldn't have been Moss. It was Randy Moss. Yes. So as well, see, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe people have moved on, but for a, a long time, it was, you know, Greg Ellis was the Moss pick. And it's so funny because it's like, you could pretty much pencil that guy in for eight sacks a, a year. And it's like, I, I think the Cowboys would just like love to have a guy that they could just pencil in right now and say, that guy's going to get eight sacks. Like we just took it for granted that, oh, he was only getting eight sacks because for some reason we decided that 10 was a good number. We really cared about that. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of funny. And then uh, a guy that uh, came up in the chat at one point was um, Brady James. And Brady James is another guy who uh, was a linebacker who had some LSU. really good years for a while. There. And so, uh, yeah, like once again, he's probably not like a, a top five guy, but just like was really a really good solid football player for a long time. And then Mario... <laughs> Mario Edwards, it's so funny now. It's like you think of guys that, you know, you remember watching playing and then Mario Edwards all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm 
think his son's still in the league, is he not? I think so. So uh, yeah, so like once again, he was a he was a guy who was you know not like a, a top player for the Cowboys, but was a really good kind of cornerback for a long time. And like yeah, Sh- Sean Lee was definitely a different kind of beast. And you know we talk about the longevity with uh, Emmett. It, it would have been lovely to just see Sean Lee just sort of avoid those injuries a bit more because it was just every every time he got on the field and he was healthy, like. I can't remember the, the game now, but I remember there was one game where he had a sack uh, interception and there was something else he didn't. And it was just like... recovery? Uh, yeah, I think it might have been. And it was just, he was everywhere on the field. It's just like, when you get linebackers like that, and that, like to a certain extent, I, I think we thought that a few years ago with the Cowboys as mm. far as LVE yeah, no. coming in and, you know... If you can get guys, they can make such a difference on on the football field to have those linebackers. Um, so yeah, like it's I just I would have loved to see Sean Lee be a bit healthier, but you know. Man, Ultra Cowboy was stationed in Japan when we passed on Moss. He was pissed. Yeah, well, that's why you know Jerry didn't pass on Dez, and Dez wasn't Moss, but Dez was a tier below. Dez like I said earlier in the show, one of my favorite wide receivers of all time. It was a blessing being able to watch. I remember, I remember where I was. I was in my apartment in Montgomery, New York. I just moved in like two months prior, watching the draft with my now wife uh, when we drafted Des Bryant. And Ultra Cowboys said we got the best roster in the NFC. I don't know. I hope so. I, the, the the Eagles and the Niners make me nervous, but I do think we have a, we have a very talented squad. So I think we covered on a lot of these players. We haven't really touched on any running backs besides. Emmett. And I don't think Zeke and DeMarco Murray are in the same conversation and not for nothing. I love Marion Barber as well. I love Marion Barber coming out of Minnesota. He ran so hard, so physical. And the years he gave us were great years. DeMarco Murray, the years he gave us were great years, but I'll never forget his fumble against the Green Bay Packers. I want to say we were up like 10. We had a chance to go up 17. Huge window. For him to run through. And then Julius Peppers reaches from the side, punches the football out. We fumble. Packers get the ball. Completely changes the ball game. But that will forever be associated with DeMarco Murray. Not the 2,000 yards rushing. And not him going to Philadelphia and absolutely stinking afterwards. But Camp, I'm interested to hear, where do you have Zeke and DeMarco? Who, Who do you have higher? Gonna unmute, come on, rookie era. Like, yeah, both of them, it feels like they kind of, they had peaks of sort of like a short time frame. Like, it's really kind of frustrating to sort of see where Zeke is now because it, it kind of felt like those first couple of years, like he was he was just such an amazing athlete. And it's, you know, when when you're running back and your legs start but, but like betraying you, it's just a, a sad thing to watch really. And it, it's, you know, truth be told, I really hope he goes somewhere this year and can provide something because uh, you know at certain points he was sort of running in concrete but I to me when he was on top of his game he was a different football player I think you know the Cowboys and I mean the Cowboys did to a certain extent sort of like you know base their offense at certain times around the running back but I think with DeMarco Murray it was a different kind of uh, experience because I think it was really kind of focused on you know making sure that he had really good pathways whereas Zeke I felt like he kind of just throw the ball to him and say do something and he would and so yeah I would say that I've got Zeke above uh, DeMarco but 
you know, both of them gave the Cowboys some amazing years and amazing times. Now you're doing it. Man, <laughs> I, I just got hit with it. The same thing. So Zeke, his rookie year, I'll never forget, you know, that like year span when Romo got hurt, we get the high draft pick. We're waiting for Romo to come back. Then we get Romo in preseason. Then Romo gets hurt against Seattle in preseason. His first, like, I remember when Romo went down the year prior, knowing it was over. And then I remember Romo going down in preseason. In my bed watching this preseason game, thinking it's over already in preseason. And then Dak comes in. And Zeke comes in. And Zeke gets a handoff. And Cam Chancellor comes downhill. And Zeke buries him. A rookie against the defender who is the face of one of the toughest defenses of that decade. And I knew right then things might be okay. Like this dude... Zeke, as much as he had some off-the-field shenanigans, he was like the youngest player in the NFL when he was drafted. So when he came in, he, he was a child. You know, and, and that, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in – I coach high school kids. Like, I, like these are young men. Like, their, their brains are still developing. He came in as a young man, right? And now he's a mature adult. But there's some, there's some lenience and, and some, you gotta give some leeway to that, you know, and also coming in to play for the Dallas Cowboys. But regardless, he came in. I loved how competitive he was. I loved regardless of how flashy he was and the belly shirts, the dude wanted to win. Like he put winning first and then Dak, he puts winning first. And, you know, I don't have Dak at the top of my list. I got Romo above Dak, but what, you know, cause Romo, what I liked about him was he was in complete control of the offense. The teams around him, I don't think were as good as the teams that have been put around Dak Prescott. And I think he did more with less and I loved his ability to improvise. Okay. And I loved, I mean, Dak, Dak has shown he could take a team down at the end of the game and go ahead and score a touchdown. But with Romo, if we got the ball back with a minute, even sometimes 45 seconds and we were with, you know, we were three points down, six points down. I felt like we had a shot anytime the football was put in Romo's hands. But what I love about Dak is the team loves him. And the dude, the team is willing to run through a wall for him. He puts winning first. And man, you know who we haven't even discussed because it's early in his career, but Michael Parsons is an absolute dog. And if we're doing now about them Cowboys 10 years from now, there's a good chance we're going to be talking about him and DeMarcus Ware and having, you know, but you know, to, to wrap this thing up, you know, I don't want to drag on. This has been a lot of fun. Anybody listening at home, go ahead and comment your favorite Cowboys of your time. All right. But I'd have to put Tyron up there. I'd have to put Emmett up there. I'd have to put Dion up there. I'd put Demarcus Ware up there. And it's tough because, you know, Irvin better, I think, than, than a Des Bryant. But my guy was Des Bryant. And, I'm going to put him in the top five because he was an absolute freak. Like, he had the whole country throwing up the X. I think he was, like, one of the first players to be signed by the Jordan brand to wear, you know, their cleats, and everyone's doing it now. And, uh, you know, that says something. So so those are my top five. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with yours? Yeah, well, uh, it's a few guys we haven't really talked about much that I might just sort of like, I'm just going through sort of my, uh, my list and having a, it's uh, hard. 
You know, I'm sure you know, people are going to blast us like, oh, you didn't say this. I'm sorry. It's hard. Well, you know, Miles you know, Austin was a uh, a great wide receiver for for many years. And then, you know, T.O. came in and T.O. gave the team some uh, some great years as well. And and like it was funny what you're talking about with, uh, you know, when Romo went down and we had Zeke and Dak came out. I think, you know, Derek, Derek Eagleton at the Cowboys, like he's really quick to uh, – like the, a lot of a lot of football fans have this tendency to basically sit there and say, like, you know, if they have bad seasons, it's like, well, we've got to blow up, and you know, what are we doing next year? And then if the, everything's doing well, it's like, well, if we add this and this and this, how good are we going to be next year? And sometimes you just need to focus on like how amazing the journey is. And you know, we talked about after the triplets and you know the whole the the salary cap coming in and and all that kind of stuff. The the landscape changed for the NFL and especially for the Cowboys because they sort of had so much money on the books that they sort of needed to get rid of over time. So they couldn't really spend that much money. And so it was some lean years and to really appreciate what, you know, Zeke and Dak gave the Cowboys in that year. And, and, you know, for a couple of years, they, they really made the team fun to watch and, and gave you something to sort yeah. of you know care about every week. So you've got to kind of appreciate that. And, you know, uh, another guy that we haven't really talked about is Travis Frederick, who, you know, mm. Unfortunately, you know, once again, you know, his health issues sort of, Gillian, you know, Gillian came up. syndrome. Yeah, you know, he he was an amazing sort of uh, a center for us for uh, for many years. And uh, another guy we haven't mentioned who's very important to mention is Matt McBriar, our uh, former punter. And so you're probably wondering why I'm mentioning a former punter, and that's of course because he's from Melbourne, Australia. So uh, got to make out. sure we make got to make sure we get those Aussies mentioned. How about Barry Church? I loved me some Barry well, Church. Yeah. I don't think again he's not he's not in the top names, but Barry Church, you know, I don't think he was he was like a mid round pick. He came in and he he held down. I remember uh, the first time I went to the new Cowboys Stadium was Cowboys versus Lions in the playoffs, and uh, I just remember Barry Church just being the heart one of the the heart uh, pieces of that defense and super exciting to watch, but. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get some more top players over the next decade or so. Hopefully we get a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, from my point of view, coming up with the top five is really a, a kind of difficult thing. I mean, especially when you look at a roster, a roster's 50, 53 players, and it's like, you know, trying to trying to narrow that down to five guys when you're talking about, you know, a couple of decades is, is a really difficult thing. And, you know, for me, the guys that are always going to be up there is the, the Romos and Emmett and DeMarcus Ware. And as I you know, I'm a big fan of Darren Woodson, Des Bryant, Deion Sanders, and then you know, like that's then you've obviously got to add Jason Witten into it, and then Tyron Smith into it, and Zach Martin. It's like you can get to you can get to ten players pretty quick, I think. So yeah. um, you know, that's yeah, and that's as you said, leaving out Micah Parsons, and you know, even if Micah Parsons has a couple of above average, like you know, not amazing seasons that he's already done, but just above average seasons, you feel like he's going to be very close to that top. 10 slash top five as well. So it's, it's, yeah. Maybe Trayvon Diggs, you know, he, if like he can get a little more lockdown with the interception he ha he's had, like if he, if he ends up signing a long-term deal with the Cowboys and continues, gives us like five years shutting down wide receiver once, you know, if we make a one or two NFC championship games, if we make it to a Super Bowl, like, you know, they, they their future is bright. And it's in the palm of their hands. And this team is theirs. You know, Dak, it's his too. But those players, you know, Dak, Diggs, Parsons, it's their squad. You know, this is, and Lamb. 
you know, and this this team is going to go where these boys take us. So it'll be exciting to see. But everybody listening at home, we appreciate you. Next week, we will hopefully we might have Kyle Yeomans on. We might do something a little bit different. We'll see how we do. But Cowboys training camp starts July 26th. So we're like three and a half weeks from things getting real. And, and obviously during that time, you, you hold your breath. You know, every day I, I read the training camp report. Make sure I see you know who's hurt, who's not hurt. So it's like a lot of anxiety through training camp and through you know all the preseason games. It's mostly around Tyron Smith because that dude can't make it out of training camp. So you know, <laughs> let's 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 keep him healthy this year. Let's see what we can get for one more year. But everybody listening at home, if you want to join in with our chats, gilded.com. We have we have an app there. So uh, throw me a DM at Coach Sheps. Throw the show a DM at Toilets Titles. We'll get you in our Gilded chat. If you want to get into our Frankenstein Listener League, it's $25. Again, it's crazy. Episode 180 kind of describes that. If you want to support the show, patreon.com backslash Toilets to Titles. So that, that, for the most part, is it. Camp, do you have anything to say before we just uh, let these fans go? Uh no, not really. Look, we will try and uh, you and I will have a chat. And we'll try and come up with a top five list, and we'll uh, we'll yeah. try and throw that on Twitter at some point, and yeah. you guys can argue about it on Twitter and say whether or not we're uh, correct or not. But like, yeah, as I sort of mentioned briefly before, like sometimes you can focus on uh, you get too focused on the future and what's coming up in the future, and I think uh, yeah, sometimes it's good to go back and look at those Cowboys or look at your team, whoever it is, and you know relive those players who made such an impact on your uh, life at some point. And, uh, you know, as you said, training camp's still a few weeks to get away and there's not much news at the moment, but to a certain extent, we should be very happy there's no news because the worst thing you can do at this time of year is, you know, have guys that are away from the facility for too long and all of a sudden getting up to mischief. So uh, no news at this time of season is a good thing, I think. so. Especially, uh, especially for the Dallas Cowboys. I think we had like seven off seasons in a row, like 10 years ago where it was just – arrest suspension 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 like so let's not jinx it you know we're knocking on wood here but everybody appreciates you stay tuned if you like what we're doing because coming up next we've got sunday night live they're gonna be talking about players to draft above their adp you want to check that out we got toilets titles tuesday we got head to head we got all sorts of nfl fantasy football gambling subscribe to the youtube channel check us out stay with us we'll catch you all later on take care